fellow travellers and welcome to podcast 84 in our series You Should Have Been There with me, Mick Webb. And me, Simon Calder. And today we will be bringing you the latest round in our travel Olympics. It's a battle of the giants, China versus Japan. A mighty contest indeed. But uh, Simon, uh, I'd like to check first of all where you are. I can hear some sort of conversation in the background and I don't think it's uh, from your bedroom in Waterloo, South London. No, I am at 55 degrees north. Um, I'm actually looking across at the Baltic flour mill and the delicious white curve of the Gateshead Millennium Bridge, which means that I'm on the north side of the River Tyne in beautiful Newcastle. I was just about to guess before you gave it away. (laughs) Uh, No fog on the Tyne this morning, but um, plenty of life. Yes, it does sound as though some people are having fun uh, quite early on a Sunday morning, I'd say. Yes, I've taken up residence outside a well-known coffee chain where I am hooked into their Wi-Fi and enjoying the, uh, the world drifting by in a gentle sort of way. Having said that, um, Saturday night when I was in Newcastle, goodness me, uh, I think there would be few cities in Europe, in, few cities on earth with the uh, energy and uh, hazard, I would say, that it comes with a, uh, a Saturday night out in Newcastle. Goodness. Um, anyway, quite enough of that. Mick, what have we heard during the week from um, our lovely listener, Well, you're absolutely right to put the stress on listener, but uh, the one who has got in touch is our um, regular correspondent, Rebecca, who has um, replied to our challenge to our listeners to come up with a song that actually mentions uh, the name of an airline or indeed a train company or a bus company come to that. And of course, this was all uh, inspired by the Beatles song back in the USSR with its reference to flew in from Miami Beach, B-O-A-C. Is that, that's right, isn't it, Simon? Uh, yes, uh, it, it, it certainly is um, now part of British Airways, as we uh, as we mentioned. But uh, so what's Rebecca got? Well, she says, um, I have a suggestion for your songs with a transport theme. National Express by the Divine Comedy. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, good good one, uh, Rebecca. Anybody who's unfamiliar with this song, um, it is uh, uh, a, a great tribute to the long-distance coach company. Take the National Express when your life's in a mess. It'll make you smile. All human life is here. Yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll bear that in mind. But uh, Rebecca goes on. Um, on a related note, this has reminded me of a busker who used to play on the train services out of Waterloo, probably around 30 years ago. His songs were on the theme of where the train was going. <laughs> For example, the chorus would be, this train is going to Hampton Court and would include details of where to change for other services. He also did a song about how you weren't allowed to shave in public toilets. <laughs> Always brought a smile to my face and could be a great help to any confused travellers. <laughs> might, might be useful on Southern's services with their myriad of dividing, attaching trains that can be bewildering to the uninitiated. 
Um, uh, just if you are uninitiated about the um, uh, rail network, Southern runs the trains from mostly London, Victoria, south to Gatwick Airport, Brighton and the coast. But of course, most trains in my experience divide at Haywards Heath or they join at Haywards Heath. Some of them at Horsham, just to keep you on your guard. Um, but what a niche busker. I love that idea. And what 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 uh, what? particular tunes would you be um, singing on, on Southern, Mick? Oh, well, I uh, probably not on Southern as such, but on the platform at Streatham Hill Station. And uh, my song would be something al- along the lines of um, the next train has been cancelled due to, and then there'd be various verses with the excuses, <laughs> uh, obviously the old leaves on the line, but uh, a broken down train at so-and-so, uh, unavailability of train crew. Um, what else have we had? Anyway, quite a lot. Oh, uh, operational difficulties, that will cover everything. Operational difficulties, the, that yeah. would be it. In fact, that probably would be the title. <laughs> So on to the main business of the day. Um, We now are going to bring in our in-house travel philosopher, Emily Thomas. Emily, I hope you don't mind us describing us like that. You might recall that she spoke to us about the ethics of travelling to places with questionable human rights records. Anyway, afterwards, we asked her to nominate two countries for our next travel Olympics. She came up with a battle of the giants, China versus Japan, and she kindly even... Um, told us some topics or sports or events that she would suggest. Capital cities, so Tokyo versus Beijing, I think they both have an awful lot going on. And also, even though Japan is geographically smaller, they both have a lot of geography. They've both got mountains and valleys and beaches and islands and food, for sure, and also fashion. Uh, fashion. Mm, I, I think you get really stunning magazine photos of, of fashion from China and Japan. Mm, you could also compare toilets, high-tech Japanese toilets versus... Chinese? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, and gosh. perhaps also... Is, is there a clear winner? Yes, I, I, I think that there might be. I wonder also if you could compare food menus, you know, the amazingly intricate Japanese plastic menus versus, I don't know, perhaps chalkboards in, in China. That's what I think of when I think of it as a, of a Chinese menu. Well, thanks very much for that, Emily. And Emily has uh, recently been heard on the, um, the splendid and very long-running Radio 4 series In Our Time, talking appropriately enough about the flow of time, um, as described in the uh, philosophical works of Henri Bergson. Um, So uh, sit down with a good cup of coffee and um, immerse yourself in that. I do urge you. Uh, Uh, Yes, it is a very good programme. You search online um, for for that uh, BBC In Our Time. Emily Thomas Bergson will get you there. Please don't confuse it with Radio 2, Mick and Simon's Travel Music Show. (laughs) Yes, where time actually does stand still. (laughs) Uh, Okay, I think Emily's categories are quite good, although I propose that we possibly don't include fashion on the grounds that neither you nor I are um, suitably qualified to um, make a a call on this. Right, okay, (laughs) category one, shape of country and size. How do these two countries match up would you say 
I've been looking at the outline of both China and Japan, and I have come to the conclusion that they both are based on the terrier dog. If you look at China, um, it looks as though it's a, a, a terrier sort of slightly leaning forward in anticipation. And this is true. Do, do yeah, yeah, search yeah. online for this. I'm going to have another and, look, yeah. And, and then Japan is a terrier which looks as though it has launched itself off a diving platform and is about to do a belly flop. It absolutely does. Well, my take on this is actually slightly different. I am going with the fairly widespread uh, idea that um, Japan is in the image of a dragon uh, and China in the image of a cockerel. Ah, and there would only okay. be one winner, I reckon, in that um, in that context. <laughs> yes, quite. Uh, yeah, I, I can see that, but um, I prefer the Terrier twins. However, they are very, very different sizes. That's a draw then. Oh, except one of them is bigger than the other. <laughs> well, yes. Uh, so so um, using our traditional measure, um, Japan is 19 times the size of Wales, so pretty chunky. However... Uh, China is 25 times the size of Japan, so no contest there. And if you bring in population, then, well, roughly uh, Japan's got about 125 million people and uh, China is 11 or 12 times bigger than that. I say 11 or 12 advisedly because as soon as you start talking about the uh, country size and the population of China, you wade into um, all kinds of human rights issues, um, which is uh, uh, involving Tibet, which is, an, according to China, an autonomous province. According to much of the rest of the world, it's a uh, uh, an entirely separate um, uh, country that has been uh, annexed by China. And China... In its official promulgations includes the island of Taiwan, uh, which a lot of people would say is the um, independent uh, republic. And uh, so, yes, Not to mention we, Hong Kong and uh, and and indeed some <laughs> fairly significant chunks of the uh, South China Sea, if I remember rightly. Well, yes. So, so China, China is going to win that. Um, I think um, both in our competition and quite possibly in reality as well. Unless it, unless of course it is disqualified for um, abuses of uh, international uh, law, human rights, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I don't think we can go there at this moment. And also, we haven't got Emily with us to uh, help us out. So, um, let's get on to her first category, which is the Battle of the Capital Cities. I haven't been to either, so it's over to you. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, there is no contest. Generally, um, I, I love cities more than, more than anything. That is, that is uh, what I get the greatest thrill from travelling from, to see how people live, to enjoy the different sounds and sights and dimensions of cities. Um, but in general, I find that Asian cities rather like... Um, African cities are generally not particularly appealing. I mean, just thinking of Jakarta, Bangkok, um, these are places which you you have to kind of go through. And I would add, I would include 
Beijing in that. Sure, you've got the um, Forbidden City in the heart of it, so that's that's interesting. Um, but the main thing is you get to Beijing in order to get somewhere else, as opposed to Tokyo, which is this wonderful megalopolis, this great sprawl of humanity, but it's really intricate as well. So you can just drill down into individual neighbourhoods. And uh, I last time I was there, which was, gosh, um, two years ago next month, um, I just went to somewhere which is maybe three or four miles out from what you would loosely describe as the centre of the, uh, the, the city. And it was just this beautiful little a charming area with peaceful lanes and so on. What are the and buildings it, like? Are they you know, fairly low? You get the sense that, that, that it's quite a fragile place, lots of wood being used, um, and that, that this is a kind of timeless place that uh, uh, you might find in... In Europe, the equivalent, I guess, would be a, a you know, quiet rural village, and yet you're 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 part of this um, this great city, and you only need to go uh, ten minutes on one of the incredibly uh, I- I- extravagant um, uh, forms of, of transport, which include wonderfully a monorail, a proper nineteen sixties science fiction looking monorail, and you are surrounded by dramatic high rises. Uh, which just seem to go on forever. And there's, uh, for example, the Shinjuku City Hall has a skyscraper, I'm going to say, 80 floors high, and they've just got a nice little viewing platform at the top. It's a civil, ser- a, a, a civic service. Um, you've, you've got, of course, temples, uh, palaces, uh, museums, um, the... the, the and most of it is just the Japanese glimpse into the future, and so many, so much of it is kind of anticipating how the world may look. I, I think that Tokyo, absolutely in a heartbeat, I would be there tomorrow. Now, Emily mentioned toilets. Um, I suppose we could uh, uh, put that into the general category of uh, uh, ease and cost of uh, travel and that kind of thing. Uh, Have you experienced the two lots of toilets? Well, I I, I hereby declare that our third event is going to be accommodation. And uh, yes, I've I've had plenty of experience of um, uh, toilets in in both countries. Japan, I think, is going to win this um, because it has space-age toilets. You can actually walk into your uh, the, the bathroom of your cheap £50 a night business hotel. Uh, basically, it's, a, it's a, just a, a budget hotel as we would know it, except with a technological toilet that you could imagine they would have on the International Space Station with with buttons to do all manner of things, warm the seat, um, play music. Uh, yeah, there's, there's, some of them do 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 um, uh, broadcast sounds, um, and <laughs> I, of course, don't have really the time or the uh, inclination to work out exactly what they do. But they are works yeah. of great genius, which I think probably, in a sense, should be should be artworks in their own. China, I'm afraid, isn't on the same page. And if you um, do go to some of the uh, uh, more more distant quarters of the uh, nation, you can find some toilets that you probably wish you hadn't found. 
So, uh, yeah, but but in terms of accommodation, um, China is most definitely the cheapest. There's some great places to stay at very low cost, whereas Japan has the Ryokan, which is a traditional place with kind of paper walls, with, with a futon, um, with extraordinarily complicated rules on the footwear that you have to use. So you leave your shoes at the door. Then when you're going from the uh, your, your room to the bathroom, you've got special bathroom uh, shoes that you have to put on. It's a, a heck of a ritual. And genuinely, you don't want to be, um, as the French would say, presse, and, and needing to get to the bathroom and, and back and get your shoes on and get out of the house uh, because it's going to take you quite some time. Uh, so, so, yes, um, the, the uh, yeah, uh, accommodation, I would, I would give it to Japan again. Um, and what about travel? I mean, obviously, we've got um, <clears throat> bullet trains in, uh, in Japan, which, to my way of thinking, are both good and bad in the sense that uh, you can get somewhere very quickly. But uh, I don't like, much like the idea of being kind of um, uh, rammed into a, a very, very crowded one oh. by a, a, a paid railway employee. Um, <laughs> and, and also, I don't think you can see much on your journey. Right. OK, let me let me dismantle that, if I may. I, 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 yes, there are two that there, there are two great um, uh, stereotypes of, of Japanese transport the first one is that they well they came up with the bullet train what in 1964 to time with the first tokyo olympics um and that was particularly since the you know 19 years earlier the country had been the 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 site of the first uh, atomic bomb attacks a, a, an astonishing transformation um they also have and you can catch one of these trains to um, shinjuku or to shibuya in tokyo they also have uh, very very crowded commuter trains and there are uh, officials um in i recall green uniforms um and they're not they're not quite like bouncers they are they are kind of inviting people to um uh, to to, to uh, m- find space on board a train so so they're like the opposite of bouncers uh, yeah really, they're, 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 they're like polite bouncers who would who would use their their charm and their personality to uh, squeeze people ah. on board rather than actually crowbarring them in however japan's got great uh, bullet trains but uh, china has uh, the world's greatest network of high-speed trains i think we're now down to um, if, I think it's about five hours between the two great cities, Shanghai, which, by the way, um, I, w- I would take any time over um, uh, Beijing. It is a far, far more charming and interesting right. um, uh, uh, place. Um, and, and that's a distance of, uh, well, 700 miles as the Airbus flies, um, probably 800 by the time it's, um, it's, it's gone by a train. So that's a, a, a pretty speedy train. So uh, China, China wins it on trains, but uh, I think it also wins it on, on journeys, if I can extend this category, because yeah. the normal trains just extend all over the place. Now, there's a train um, to Haza in uh, Tibet, which is the highest altitude train in the world. Um, and passengers are offered oxygen on it. But there are also plenty of trains which run um, uh, to the western deserts. And, and that is a real 
exciting railway journey because you are just going for days across these uh, lunar landscapes. It's wild and beautiful. You've always got interesting people um, on the uh, on, on the train and um, uh, great catering, of course. Maybe we'll get on to food and drink in a moment. Um, the the uh, as as an experience, yes, not the high speed trains, but the the uh, classic trains, as they would be called, um, are a joy in uh, in China in, in a way that you don't really get them in Tokyo, in Japan. But you do get, by the way, the world's longest undersea tunnel, which um, uh, is not the Channel Tunnel. It's um, just a little kind of local tunnel going up to the island of um, uh, Hokkaido. So that, I think, is a point to China, but it also brings us on maybe to the... Um, well, the longest tunnel you've mentioned there, too, um, uh, that's Japan. What about the longest wall? I don't think there's any doubt about that, is there? <laughs> well, I prefer uh, the, the, the category of walls, um, not not uh, just the longest wall. I mean, the, the thing about the Great Wall of China is that it's really the Great Walls of China. There have been a whole series of, of, of um, fortifications built against the the Mongol hordes coming uh, south from from um, uh, present day Mongolia um, and the kind of signature Great Wall of China is is a couple of hours out of um, Beijing. You can get to to that part where you're just going to find it absolutely thronged with people. But um, the Great Wall of China are not going to win this one. The greatest wall in either China or Japan, I've checked is the astonishing nine-mile fortification around the fine central China city of Xi'an. It does completely envelop the place. It provides the most brilliant um, scenic journey around, and they even rent bicycles on it so you can cycle around the top. You try doing that on the Great Wall of China, you won't get very far at all. Uh, and and you're, you're an hour away from the um, uh, terracotta warriors as well. Ah, so another one for China, I'm afraid. Ah, okay. Well, I'm going to introduce a new category before we finish with food, uh, and that is uh, nature, um, and and that's nature read in uh, tooth and claw. Um, and by the way, I do tend to prefer the uh, out-of-town experiences to uh, city centres. Um, and uh, I would, if I was going to China, want to try and see a giant panda in yeah. its um, in its native uh, bamboo forest, which is probably extremely difficult. But I think there is a there is quite a, a sort of reasonable competitor to that as must-see animal in Japan, <laughs> which is a snow monkey, uh, which is a kind of macaque, which you only, f- only find in the um, uh, the frozen north. Um, and it is absolutely brilliant thing. Do look it up. It, it appears, certainly in the photographs that I've seen, as though it has um, gone and bought a, um, a very, very um, um, 
robust piece of Arctic uh, fur um, gear to uh, clothe itself in, including a hood as um, as sort of proof against the weather. So that's very good. Um, uh, mm. There are also a couple of incredibly colourful birds, and China has the golden pheasant, which you can also find in Mexico and some other places, which is a most brilliant coloured thing. And uh, but but Japan has the um, has the green pheasant, which is also <laughs> very very colourful, and has, despite its name, um, a brilliant um, red face. Uh, I think jury's out on that one. Uh, to be honest, I mean, I'd love to see either a, um, a snow monkey or a, a or a, a, a giant panda. Just just uh, scores at the door. So country size and shape. That's China. Capital city interest. Yeah. Japan accommodation. Japan getting around China. Uh, so that's two walls, China, um, and now half a point each. So, so effectively, there is all to play for in the last category. In food. Yes, the food one. Yeah. Oh gosh, that is oh, right. Well, well, really interestingly, Emily um, mentioned the type of menu as being the uh, the distinguishing yes. feature so a very very complicated japanese menu um uh, beautifully presented i presume and uh, a chalkboard with things scrawled on it which was the chinese method is that is that fair do you uh, say? <laughs> yes look i've i've had many many uh, exciting meals in both of them um i and indeed what i love about food in china is that it is actually theater um the chinese famously will um eat anything which which um uh, flies walks um breathes. can i just add in can i just add infamously yeah, there yeah, sure, as yeah. the clock strikes yeah. um 10 behind you <laughs> yes <laughs> you you certainly can um anything that swims whatever it does they will they will eat it and um i love going to markets um and and in this particular instance, Food Street in Qingdao, a lovely coastal city overlooking the South China Sea. I just wish you could be here on Food Street as lunchtime approaches. Qingdao is the seafood capital of China and the aromas here are just wonderful. Just in case, though, you want to amuse your taste buds with a little something before your meal, well, maybe I've got exactly the dish for you if you've got the travel bug. That dish, by the way, was a flying insect, which wasn't flying anymore. <laughs> the, but I, I think um, I've, I've had many Chinese meals in the UK, in in. Uh, and and Japanese as well, but if uh, the the one cuisine where if I had to eat uh, a nation's cuisine forever and no other cuisine, it would have to be Japanese. Just the sashimi, um, the wonderful noodle dishes, and to go back to Emily's um, menu thing, you get beautifully presented menus, but you also get. Uh, models in plastic, beautifully created models of what you are going to eat. So it's I just have a never breeze. seen that. Oh, it's great! You just go into, I mean, typical sort of cafe, and you just literally point at the at the um, model of the food that you want, and it arrives in five minutes, and it's really cheap and tasty. So 
that and good for you yes. i gather as well uh, very oh, very right. good for you and and there we are and that if i may award that event to japan it means that we are three and a half each that is too much. Um, so I guess they share the gold medal or get one each as they're allowed to do now. I'll um, I'll leave you to uh, phone up the ambassadors uh, to uh, to London and, and and tell them that. I think I'll leave the uh, new foreign secretary to um, uh, manage that one. Next week, um, we are dealing with holiday stings. Now, these are actually scams rather than uh, jellyfish. But don't worry, if you'd like to... Um, uh, tell us about experiences you've had with either one of those, um, equally painful in different ways, then please do get in touch. And of course, this is partly to celebrate the fact that Sting, who was born just a couple of miles downstream from here at Wall's End, um, 70 years ago next week, um, we will be celebrating uh, uh, the, the concept of the Sting. Please um, uh, just uh, tweet us at, at you should have BT or leave us an audio message at anchor.fm forward slash you should have been there. For now, from me, Simon Calder. And me, Mick Webb. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.